Uh, there has been a bit of a theme about the weather so far this morning, and yes, like many of you, I've been reflecting about wild and wet and windy weather and uh, that we've been having, <coughs> but also the dry and empty prayer times we sometimes have to go through as well. So today, let's pray about the tough times and let's pray about bringing our troubles to God in prayer. Father God, thank you for giving us prayer as the main way we communicate with you. But the recent bad weather reminds us that sometimes both life and prayer can be difficult. Father, we pray today for those of us experiencing crises where bad news has come crashing in unexpected like a tree branch on the roof in the middle of the night. Perhaps a car accident, something bad at work or school or an unexpected illness, or a bad diagnosis. Please, Father, help us all to remember that no matter what, no matter what, you are in control, you never stop loving us, and you will bring good out of every situation for us. We pray for your peace and comfort and healing for our brothers and sisters in this church going through crises at this time, and for those we care about in our community and the wider world. We pray today for anyone experiencing prolonged loss or hardship or deprivation or pain or suffering, just like a power failure that takes days and days to be repaired. Please help those of us experiencing such times with patience and perseverance and steadfastness. Please help and remind us to reach out to others we know who are experiencing such prolonged struggles. We pray too for those worn down by troubles, just like the incessant rain with its disruptions, its floods and its damage. Father, encourage us, we pray, by reminding us that although you allow both good times and bad times, that for us, better days are ahead and that you always remain watching over us and caring for us. We pray for those confronted by sudden unexpected situations like a flooded creek unexpectedly blocking the way. Help us, we pray, to understand what really matters in this life, to avoid taking risks and the temptation to take shortcuts about the dangers of instant gratification or forcing an issue when it may be better for us to step aside or step back for a while for our long-term benefit and safety. And yet, Father, sometimes it seems our prayers go unanswered or our cries to you seem ignored and our prayers are fruitless. Help us, we pray, to remember that you always hear us but sometimes you say no for our better good. Sometimes you tell us to wait for a better time. And sometimes you tell us to wait for a better answer than that for which we've been praying. Help us, we pray, with our persistence and our patience in our prayer. And Father, remind us to pray for the others around us that we know are struggling. Please help us to remember Jesus' advice about gathering together for prayer, and that when we share our struggles through prayer, it can only help. Help us in our praying with one another. 
perhaps even using our church's prayer chain or after church prayer and the other prayer opportunities that we have to share our burdens. Especially we men, Father. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen to that bit about especially men. (laughs) Thanks, Richard. And um, I just want to do something a little bit different this morning that we'd normally uh, do in a church service, Um, and that is acknowledge that it's been quite difficult for a number of us uh, in our church community. Uh, I know of uh, many people who have been in hospital, uh, many people who have had uh, bad health diagnosis, Some people have heard of family bereavement. Um, People have obviously been without power. In fact, Monica, is your power back on yet? No, Monica's still without power. Um, There's been a lot that's been going on for quite a number of people. Um, But one of the most beautiful things about being church is we are community. And uh, I shared last week our, our difficult time and I came out of the prayer room this morning and a coffee was thrust into my hand. And I just thought, isn't that amazing? Just a blessing of community. And I know that so many people have been just preparing meals and dropping them around to people in need. Uh, not out of, like, can you do this? It's just come out of their heart. Um, and that's just a beautiful blessing and a, just a great example of community being community and us loving one another. And so what I wanted to do now, leading into our communion, and tribe kids are here to to be part of this, is that I want us to, in our rows, just share with one another perhaps something that you're going through, perhaps a hardship or a prayer need, because sometimes even just sharing something is all it takes to feel better. And to have a sense of, oh, someone understands my pain. Someone understands and knows what I'm going through. And even out of that, who knows, again, what might happen uh, as the community gathers around people who are in need. So we're going to be sharing communion with each other right now. So what we're going to do is just in your rows or in your groups, just spend two, three minutes just sharing with one another What's going on in your life right now? And perhaps if you feel comfortable to pray for one another. And then once that's happened, for that group that have been together to come out and to serve one another communion. So uh, grab the the bread and the wine and serve one another and to to eat together. We're not going to come back together as as a group and eat together, just in in your groups together, just to share with one another as an acknowledgement that we're together. Because Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he was going to go through some difficult times. And he broke bread and he said, I'm giving up my life for you, for forgiveness of sins, so that no matter what happens in this life, we have assurance of our life with him. And that was, uh, that was done and his blood was shed for us on that cross. I was chatting with uh, someone this week who heard some bad news and they said, you know what, in the midst of the bad news, I felt like I was Paul and Silas 
And I, I had this, God gave me the strength to rejoice in the midst of the pain and the suffering. And it gave me great joy because I know that no matter what happens in this life, my future eternal life is secure in him. And so we can rejoice. And so when we come to the table today, we remember what Jesus has done for us. We remember the promises that he's given us. We remember the assurance of salvation and eternal life that he has for us, no matter what storms and trials and tribulations happen in this life. We can rejoice knowing what he has done for us because he loves us and he cares for us. So let's just spend now two to three minutes in your rows just sharing with one another. You can pray for one another. And then when that is done, come forward and just serve one another the the bread and the wine and um, then head back to your seats. One, One other thing I just... You guys keep talking. I'm just going to talk to the people online, so keep talking. One thing I forgot to mention to you who are watching online, I didn't want you to miss out on this opportunity as well. On my PowerPoint is my phone number. We're going to put my phone number up on the screen, and if you have a need, if you have something that you're going through that you want to share and you want to bring to this as well, I want to pray for you uh, as we finish communion together. So feel free to text me during this time and we want to just pray for you as you are at home. Uh, Just before the tribe go out, um, wonderful to see people sharing uh, with one another and being community together. Uh, I do know that there are some people at home uh, who are are struggling. Some people have sent through a message to me and there are some people who haven't but I know what's going on. So can we just join together and pray for those who aren't with us and pray God's blessing on them. Lord, we pray for all of who call us uh, Hills Christian Family Centre and beyond. Lord, we pray for those who are in need of your loving arms surrounding them, that they would feel your peace and comfort uh, at this time. Lord, I want to particularly pray for Sarah Grogan, who is struggling with a shoulder problem and is bringing her down. Lord, we just pray for your healing hand right now to be upon her. Lord, that as we pray as a community, your your healing would just be upon her and uh, ministering to her. Lord, that you are our healer. You're our sustainer, our, our God and our friend. So, Lord, just pray for Sarah, that she'd know your comfort and your love. And Lord, I also want to just pray for uh, Mike and Bev who are at home today and who have spent some time in hospital this week. Again, Lord, uh, may they know your, your love, your comfort for them. And uh, Lord, that your, your peace and your loving arms will just be surrounding them at this time. They're such a blessing to us as a church family and we just want to lift them before you right now. And ask that you act mercifully uh, on them and their lives. Uh, Lord, that uh, what they've got coming up this week, uh, that you would guide them through. That they'd know your peace and comfort in the midst of all uh, their pain and and struggles. And uh, Lord, thank you that we are a community that can lift them up and to be praying for them. And Lord, for all of those other 
needs that are spoken or unspoken, again, we just pray as a community that your your loving hand and arms would just be moving and your spirit just be moving uh, across this community and in homes and in lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, tribe, you guys can head out to your program now. Thanks for being part of us for that special moment. Is the mic okay? It's all good now. Awesome. It's been a great morning, hasn't it? Just worshipping, being together, um, laughing at Dan, going, uh, about Christmas. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel your pain, brother. That's fantastic. Um, we're now going to just uh, get into the word. We're continuing uh, in our series on the book of Acts. If you are new or perhaps watching for the first time, uh, we've been going through a teaching series pretty much verse by verse, chapter by chapter in the book of Acts. We're up to Acts chapter 19, but before we get there, we're actually going to just finish off a bit of Acts chapter 18 this morning because it really fits in uh, with the theme of what I feel the Lord's been speaking to me through the text. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to open, first of all, to Acts chapter 18. We're going to just finish that off. But just to remind you uh, where we finished off last week, uh, Paul is finishing his second missionary journey in the book of Acts. Uh, he spent a lot of time uh, here in Corinth, and then he spent a short time in Ephesus where they begged him to stay, and he said, no, I'm not going to stay. <laughs> and he headed back to Jerusalem and to Antioch. Uh, possibly he wanted to get back for some of the, the festivals to be part of uh, in Jerusalem. And then he went back to his kind of his home church, really, his sending church, uh, in Antioch. And right in the middle of Acts chapter 18, he actually starts his third missionary journey. Seems like a strange place for them to put their chapter markers, but nevertheless, that's what they did. And he starts his, uh, his second missionary journey. So in Acts chapter 18, starting at verse 23, after spending some time in Antioch, that's his home church, Paul set out from there and travelled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phygeria. Phygeria? I think that's how you pronounce that. Strengthening all the disciples. So we don't really hear much about this, but in his first missionary journey, he spent a lot of time here in the, in the region of uh, Galatia. And so his third missionary journey, he just strengthens the churches that he established and planted uh, during his first missionary journey. And then Luke gets on to his time in Ephesus. Meanwhile, though, we, we hear of this uh, another man and, and Luke kind of drags our attention away to something. And it really fits in again with what's going to happen in Acts chapter 19. We hear of this Jew named Apollos. He was a native of Alexandria, and he came to Ephesus. Now, he was a learned man with thorough knowledge of the, of the scriptures. Great uh, description of, of someone who had, a, had a, a calling on their life. In fact, very much a similar description of the Apostle Paul. And he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and spoke with great fervor and talk about and taught about Jesus accurately. 
Isn't that a great description of who this, this man was? But then it says, though he knew only the baptism of John. So clearly before uh, Jesus' time, John the Baptist uh, went into lots of regions declaring and uh, telling people that the Messiah was coming. And a lot of people came and listened to John's message and converted and were believed. And they took on John's baptism, which was a baptism of repentance. It was a baptism of, of cleansing and wanting to be prepared and ready for the coming Messiah. And so this message that John preached uh, went out not just in the surrounding areas of Jerusalem, but it actually went out and we find disciples of John the Baptist in, in all sorts of places. We're going to find them later on in Ephesians as well, in Ephesus. So this man, Apollos, is he's learned, he's, he's preaching, he's doing wonderful things and he's, he's reasoning, he's, he's uh, declaring who Jesus is and it says that he's declaring who he is accurately, yet he is, he's, doesn't have the full picture of the gospel. He doesn't understand Jesus' death, his resurrection, and the coming of the Spirit. And so uh, Priscilla and Aquila get hold of this man and they are willing to teach him. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, these are the, the husband and wife that, that Paul sort of uh, became uh, in, interested in, uh, invited him to their home and explained the way of God more ad- adequately. Now, I just think, as I think about this man, Apollos, and I think about us and our faith journey, I think it's a great picture that sometimes uh, we have a, a fervour, a, a passion, we have a come to a belief in who Jesus is, yet our understanding perhaps is partial or maybe incomplete. But here was Apollos who even though he was a man of great stature and fervour and, and obviously later on we're going to see that he did a, a wonderful things, he was humble enough and willing enough to be teachable, to be brought under the mentorship of Priscilla and Aquila and to learn more fully an understanding of the gospel. I think that's just a beautiful picture of everyone's journey um, I think the, the older I get, the more I realise I don't understand <laughs> and there is more to know. And the deeper, richer understanding of the cross and his love for me and what it means to live in faith and, and to trust in him in all of my life and to declare that to those around me. But here was, here was Apollos. He only had the baptism of John. He didn't understand the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And so he's taught and he's willing to be taught by Priscilla and Aquila. Which is why I guess I keep asking the question as we go through the book of Acts, this question. As you place yourself in the narrative of Acts, what are you surprised by or what challenges your own thinking? Because here was Apollos who was surprised and perhaps thought that he had the whole picture and yet was willing to come under the teaching of Priscilla and Aquila as we come under the teaching of the scriptures and perhaps be surprised by or challenged in our own understanding. Perhaps our own backgrounds or our, our own upbringing, our own cultures have shaped 
our understanding of truth. And as we come and sit under the scripture, which should be our first and foremost uh, place which we gather our truth, uh, we are challenged perhaps sometimes by some of those things that we've brought, been brought up with. Perhaps some of those doctrines or cultural understandings of what it means to live as a Christian or to be church uh, are challenged by as we, as we read and, uh, and understand and study the scriptures more closely. So this man, Apollos, wanted to go to Archaea, which is Corinth, the region of the Corinthians. And the brothers and sisters uh, encouraged him to do so. So they wrote to the disciples, it's probably Priscilla and Aquila, and they said, welcome this man, Apollos, in, in Corinth. So when he arrived, he was great help to those who by grace had believed For he vigorously refuted the Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Sounds like another Paul, doesn't it, Uh, in what was going on there. But what I love is that this man obviously did great works and ministry in Corinth. Paul himself, as he writes to the Corinthians, who by just, if you didn't know, he wrote 1 Corinthians while he was in Ephesus. And he writes to them, and there's obviously a bit of uh, debate going on, because on, in 1 Corinthians, um, he finds out, he says, Some have informed me that there's been quarrels among you. For one says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. So it's great to get context of where this comes from. Another, I follow Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. And Paul's saying, why is there division about, in a way, who's the greatest? Oh, I follow Paul, well, I follow Apollos, well, I follow Peter, I follow... And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. We, we all follow Christ. I, I, I'm just a servant, I'm just a messenger. He said, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? No, Christ was. Were you baptised in the name of Paul? No, he baptised in the name of Christ. And so later on in chapter um, five, uh, 3, sorry, he says, after all... What, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned each to each his task. For I planted, that's Paul saying that, the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Only God who makes things grow. A great, another example of both Apollos and Paul being so humble in the way that they ministered, that they're saying, we're actually, we're nothing. Uh, it reminds me of Peter when they come in, in the early parts of Acts and they're like, you're amazing. He's like, no, who am I? I'm just, I'm just Peter. It's Christ that we preach. It's Christ that we follow. It's he that is the one that makes anything grow. And same with us. We, in a way, are nothing. But it is God that uses us and makes us something as he works through us. And he's the one that makes things grow and be fruitful in our lives. And so now we come to Acts chapter 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So again, he sort of passed through this bit. And he just sort of skipped over that time that he was there and he arrives in Ephesus. So Paul goes to Ephesus, Apollos goes to Corinth. 
And there Paul found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, I find this question absolutely fascinating. He found some disciples. They're described there as disciples, so they're followers of Christ. And he asked them the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, I wonder what prompted Paul to ask that question. Uh, We're not sort of given any reason, but maybe we could stipulate or maybe think about what that could have been, the reason why he would ask such a question. Because Paul here is not saying that you can be a believer without the Holy Spirit and then at some point you pray and you receive the Holy Spirit and then you get the Holy Spirit. Paul, in his doctrine and his understanding and his teaching, describes, again, in Corinthians, he says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. He put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So when we believe, he's saying the spirit comes and lives inside of us. We, as we come to have faith in God, the Spirit comes as a deposit, as a seal, guaranteeing that. He says the same thing when he then later writes to the Ephesians. He says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. So when you believed, you were marked with him, the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So Paul clearly understands that when we come to have faith in Christ, that is done through the Holy Spirit. In fact, he says later in Corinthians, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. So the Spirit does its work in salvation and in a believer coming to faith. So he's talking to these uh, Ephesian disciples and, and he, he understands that they have the Spirit. But he asks this question, did you receive the Spirit when you believe? So, so what, what is going on? What is happening here? See, Paul understands that we receive the Spirit when we believe in Christ, but there is an event that happens for the believer where a Spirit where the Spirit comes upon a believer in order to empower them for ministry, in order to uh, impart spiritual gifts, in order for those people to be empowered and strengthened to minister and to bear fruit and to make a difference in the world. And so, um, so, so Paul isn't saying you don't have the Spirit. He's saying there's an experience, there is an event that happens when a believer is open to the, the, the Spirit coming upon them and for them to be empowered for ministry. And you might say, well, that's, that's a strange and interesting thing. And this, this probably has divided uh, churches and, and theologians throughout the centuries, <laughs> verses like this. And there would, there would be some that would say, well, the Spirit sort of died out um, after Acts. You know, the miracles and all the works of the Holy Spirit 
that they no longer happen in this day and age. Once we received the Bible and the scriptures, now we have our leading from the word of God and that the spirit is no longer sort of active in the world. And so they would say, we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. And there are some people who believe such things. Now, you only have to have a small glimpse around you from left to right and, and think, hang on a minute, we can see the miraculous work of the Spirit right here in this day and age, right? Uh, many of us would have stories of God working incredibly by the power of the Spirit in, in healing ways and and particularly in third world countries where they're more open to that, we see miracles happening day, daily. So, so we, I don't subscribe to that. But what we do see is that there is an event, there is an experience where the Spirit comes upon a believer and empowers them and, and instills ministry gifts in order for them to be empowered and fit for service in the church and in the world. And you might say, well, that's maybe the case for these people in Ephesus, but do we see this as a normal uh, picture in other areas of Scripture? Because Scripture needs to be, as I said, our first point of call when it comes to understanding truth and doctrine. So I want us to look at another couple of areas where this normal flow is the normative way that we see in the Scriptures for the disciples themselves who were uh, with Jesus and following him. Uh, In John, before Jesus ascended, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So these disciples before Pentecost, Jesus gives them the Spirit and they believe and they have faith in Christ. Then he spends time with them. And in Acts, he says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be filled and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And of course, we see that in Pentecost, don't we? As the the Spirit came down and divided and, and came upon them in what looked like tongues of fire and rested on those disciples' heads. And in a similar way, Jesus' own life, at Jesus' baptism, just as Jesus was coming out of the water when he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Now, would you say that before this time that Jesus didn't have the Spirit? I don't think you could probably argue that very well. Yet the Spirit comes and empowers Christ for his ministry on earth. And straight away after this, his his He's um, sent out into the, the desert to be tempted and, and it's, he has the ministry strength and empowerment to then minister and have his work through the region of Judea. And he himself says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. And so Paul perhaps looks at these Ephesians, and he says, well, they believe in Christ, they, they follow him, yet I don't, maybe I just don't see any evidence of the spiritual gifts being ministered to amongst the church. Maybe, maybe there's, there's something about them that makes him say that question. I'm just thinking about this in my own 
personal life growing up, uh, I grew up in a church where the Holy Spirit probably wasn't ever really even mentioned, apart from doing some liturgy or something. And, uh, and I went to a youth group and I was, I was part of that. And then I started going out with my now wife, Jo, who was going to another youth group. And I remember first turning up to this place and these young people had their hands raised and they were in tears and they had a passion for Christ and they wanted to make a difference and they were laying hands on each other and praying for one another. They were, they were receiving gifts. They were speaking in tongues. There, were, there was this great activity of the Spirit uh, amongst those group of young people. And I wonder if it's a similar situation where, where Paul maybe would walk into the other youth group and go, gee, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? Because I can't really see much evidence of it. Yet I saw immense evidence of that in, and that, that comparison. And I wonder, I wonder if Paul walked into our church. I wonder whether he would ask the question, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? great thing to think about, perhaps. Did you receive the Spirit when you believe? Friends, if you have not yet sought out a, a moment, an encounter with the Holy Spirit where he comes upon you and he fills you with his peace and his love and his joy and he empowers you and he gives you a passion and a, an outlook for life that is different to what you had before, can I encourage you to do so? doesn't necessarily have to be up here at the front as a ministry time. I know many people who have gone home, have prayed in their bedroom by themselves, and they have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit comes upon them, and they receive that warmth and that, that joy that comes from the Spirit coming upon them. Can I encourage you to do so? So these Ephesians, they answered, we have not heard of the Holy Spirit I can empathise with them. I'd never heard of the Holy Spirit in my younger days. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? Once again, as with Apollos, these Ephesians said, John's baptism. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Interesting number. Jesus had 12 disciples, and with those 12 disciples, a region was completely changed and turned upside down. Now we're going to see in Ephesus, these 12 disciples again do an amazing thing as we continue to read on. So Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate and they refused to believe. So Paul left them and he took the disciples with him and he had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. So there were schools of philosophy there in Ephesus and during the, the heat of the day they had siestas. I like that idea. Um, so they had their time in the morning and then the heat of the day came where they'd retreat and find shade and rest and maybe have a bit of a, bit of a snooze. 
And it was during this time in the middle of the day when things were hot and people would normally be at home resting, Paul hires out this hall and he starts really the first Bible college, the first training ground for these disciples to go out and make a difference in the, in the region uh, they're about to hear about. And so this went on for two years. Wow. So this is the longest Paul has stayed in any of his towns in his missionary journey. But here we see a shift in Paul's methodology, in his, uh, his praxis of ministry. He would normally go from town and, and set up a church and then go to the next place, set up deacons and leaders and then set up the next place and go place to place to place to place to place. But now he spends two years in this training school in this Bible school, and with those disciples that he laid hands on in Ephesus, all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now that is an amazing statement for Luke to say. How did they hear? Now, when it talks about Asia, it's not talking about China and Japan. It would be Asia Minor. So this this area that we have here. Now, if you will remember, when Adam spoke uh, when I was away, he talked about when Paul was travelling through this area, he desired to head into Asia. Do you remember that? But it wasn't the Spirit's timing, and the Spirit kept preventing Paul from entering into and ministering into this area. What's interesting about what Adam said was that uh, there's something about God's timing and a reason for being led by the Spirit. And it might not be now, it might be for another reason. And what we see happening now is as Paul goes into Ephesus, it's not Paul that ministers to this whole area. It's now those disciples in Ephesus that go out and they, and it says that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in this province of Asia heard the word of God. So Paul's ministry idea changes from him being the one that needs to go and set up churches to empowering and enabling and building up leaders and evangelists and pastors and teachers to go out and to do the work. Perhaps here he came up, maybe it dawned on him, maybe he always knew it, but he says to the Ephesians, so Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. So what we see happening here in Ephesus is a beautiful picture of the church. This is what the church should be, that those of you who are out in the world, uh, in your workplaces, in your spheres of influence, in your families, and you're, you're ministering, and we come together as we did this morning so beautifully as community, and we worship together, we pray for one another, we build one another up, we lay hands on one another to, to be empowered to be encouraged, to be edified, to be built up so that we can go out from here and that all the Jews and Greeks in this region hear the word of God. And we come back 
and we worship and we love one another and we build one another up. We give each other words. We declare his goodness. We share communion together. We're built up. We're encouraged. We're strengthened. We're empowered. And then we go out and then we come back. That's what's happening here in Ephesus. For two years, Paul ministers to and preaches to this church and the whole area is transformed, not by Paul, but by the believers. And so it is with us. It is not the one that plants, it is not the one that waters, but it is God who does the work through us as we go out, as we share the good news, as we declare who he is and what he has done for us. May our area, may our homes, may our workplaces be transformed by the gospel just as the whole area of Asia was. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to invite the music team up. And before uh, we, we sing our final song, I just want to particularly pray for anyone here who perhaps has been challenged this morning. Perhaps you feel a bit like Apollos and you have a passion for God, for Jesus. You have an understanding of who he is, but perhaps there's just something not yet complete, something that is yet to come an understanding. Perhaps you're like those disciples in Ephesus who, who believed in Christ, yet Paul said, have you received the Spirit? Perhaps this morning as we sing, you might quietly pray, Lord, Spirit, come upon me. Perhaps I'm feeling dry. I'm feeling like passionless. I'm wanting to be inspired by these men and women in the scriptures. I want to be like them. I want, to, I want this to motivate me to be different and to make a difference in the world. And yet I'm, I'm feeling so flat and, and lonely. Perhaps you can pr- pray as we sing, Spirit, come upon me, just like you did for those Ephesians. Empower me. Fill me anew. Give me the strength I need for today and tomorrow. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these men and women in the the words of Acts that inspire us, that comfort us. Holy Spirit, would you just come and move amongst us now as we sing? Would you fall afresh on us? Would you work in our lives? Let's stand together and sing.
Heavenly Father, we just uh, we look for that power that you bring. We just welcome your Holy Spirit here. And uh, we thank you that you deliver on your promises. Bless your name. As Sam shared, Lord, we just uh, open our hearts to you and we want to rely on you fully, not in our own strength, but just to be able to submit to where you might be calling us, that there is a great future, there's ministry, there's work to be done, but we can't do that without your power. And Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit just to, to fill us with that, which is what, what we really need. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to end the service there, but if you'd like prayer, and oh, we'll open up the front and maybe someone could come and lay hands on you and we can pray for you. But there's also the prayer room out the side here. Um, yeah, but we are running a bit on time, so I'll, I'll close it there. And just uh, thank you for attending. And just you know, it was really great to see the fellowship and the, the hands laid on each other and that sense of community. And I really want to encourage you again, if you can come to our curry night next Sunday, um, that'd be fantastic just to enjoy that fellowship as a family. Really important. And I think something building really strongly there for us. So, yeah, thank you. We'll leave it there. Thanks.